I want to begin by talking about Charles Jennings. Any of you guys know who this guy is? Good. You're going to learn something. <clears throat> Charles Jennings, you know when he was born? 1700. All right, good. Good. So place him around like Revolutionary War time kind of. He was a wealthy landowner um, in the 1700s, had musical interest, had uh, literary interests, and uh, he was a devout Christian. One of the things he was particularly concerned about in his day was the rise of deism. That is the, the belief that, that God, if you will, created the world but doesn't interfere with uh, mankind at all. Like, like the clockmaker who, who made his clock and then steps away and just lets it, lets it tick and go. And uh, that's not what the Bible teaches. Um, the Bible teaches that God has his hands in our lives. Uh, that's why we pray. It's because God has his hands in our lives and uh, works circumstances. Well, anyway, Charles Jennings put pen to paper, wrote out a bunch of verses from the Old and New Testament to show how the Lord does indeed intervene in the world through the life, death, and return of His Son. And such a composition is called uh, a libretto, uh, like a, a little book, if you will, of verses. And uh, at one point, he, he, called, he made a, a composition of these verses, and do you know what he called them? He called them Messiah. And uh, he took these verses and he sent them to this guy, George Frederick Handel. Now, I trust most of you have heard of Handel before. Yes. And so he sent these verses to, to Handel, a German composer, and, and hoping that, that Handel would put this text to music. Now, Handel had, had done various other projects for him, well, particularly one on Saul, um, like these verses on Saul that he did, kind of telling the story. Also, he, he would later do one on Belshazzar. Um, from uh, Jenin's, Jenin's hand, but after sending them uh, to Handel, here's what Jenin sent to a friend. He said, I hope that Handel will lay out his whole genius and skill upon it, that the composition may excel all his former compositions, and that the subject, as the subject excels every other subject, the subject is Messiah. And of course, that's what Handel did. He uh, applied his whole genius and skill, wrote a masterpiece that continues to be performed to this day. 250 years later, Handel's Messiah um, has been performed. In fact, even here in Rockford, here's a picture of uh, the Rockford Choral Union. That's at Trinity Lutheran Church in downtown Rockford. For the past 72 years, they have put on a performance of Handel's Messiah. And that, so that takes you, 72, you start doing some math... 1945, they've been doing these presentations, one or two a year or several years. In fact, I think they, they just this past year they did maybe 190, 191 performances of Handel's Messiah here in, in Rockford. Um, it's, it's performed nowadays over the Thanksgiving weekend. So Thanksgiving Thursday, this is performed Saturday night and then Sunday afternoon. Yvonne and I have been to several of these performances in the, in the past years. And, and if you've not... I would encourage you to go. Um, now it's kind of late. I'm encouraging you, like 12, you save the date, all right? 12 months in advance from now, uh, next, uh, next November, uh, after Thanksgiving, I encourage you to go. It's free. All they ask is a free will offering so you can give as the Lord, Lord directs you. But, but if you can't wait till next year regarding Handel's Messiah, uh, maybe you can pick up a, 
a CD. I'm sure you can pick one like these off of Amazon for whatever, 10, 20 bucks. Just play it during Christmas time. It'd be a great thing to play. If you want to, you can pick up a score. We have several of these, and so as we have gone to Handel's Messiah, we've got a, a score, and we kind of look and follow along in the music, and you don't need to be really good at the music to be able to look and follow along, and you see all the parts go, and it kind of helps your mind stay engaged, because the whole thing takes two and a half hours. It's kind of a, a long time to sit quiet in a, in a place, but it's really, really good. It's, I think uh, Handel's Messiah is, is it's helpful for our soul. I think it's important for us, and why I'm really trying over my Christmas series here this year to, to highlight Handel's Messiah with a series I'm calling Messiah. By the way, uh, it's not the Messiah, it is Messiah. Now, oftentimes you talk about the quote-unquote Messiah, but don't put the quotes around the the because it's just Messiah. And I think it's important. Uh, I think it's helpful for us. Let, let, let me give you perspective, okay? This past Thursday at Kids Club, uh, had some, had some kids over after, after school, and uh, we we're talking about Christmas carols. And uh, Virginia, are you here? Where are you? I don't see Virginia, but she was there, and we're talking about Christmas carols. And, uh, of course, the, uh, the kids knew a bunch of Christmas carols, like uh, Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Jingle Bells and Jingle Bell Rock. But many of our Christmas hymns, they'd never heard before. Not heard the name, not familiar with the tune They'd never heard Joy to the World. They had never heard Hark the Herald Angels Sing. O come, O come, Emmanuel. O come, all ye faithful. Go tell it on the mountain, away in a manger. One small child. What child is this? Come, thou long expected Jesus. Now, one of the children, uh, these are the non church going kids. One of them said, Oh, oh, I went to a church. I know Silent Night. I remember hearing that one before. But as we would take these hymns and we would kind of sing them a little bit, away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Have you ever heard that before? And these kids said, never heard that before. Now, it, it's played in stores, it's played in, you know, around during Christmas season. But remember, these kids are not, not from Christian homes, right? The hymns aren't sung in the churches, right? They, um, <clears throat> they aren't sung in the schools, they don't go to church, right? They don't have any opportunity to sing these songs. So we're going to be doing some of these over the next uh, couple of weeks. Um, but I ask you, right, w- without knowing these songs, are these kids missing anything? Well, on the one hand, no, right? Because there's nothing inspired about these songs. Most of these songs are written less than a few hundred years ago. And so you think about the, the Christians who lived before these hymns were ever written, um, and I think they got along just fine with their Christmas celebrations. And yet, these are our culture today, and they do teach rich truths to keep our minds focused on the birth of Christ, to just to, as we celebrate, we think about, about uh, Christmas. They, they are a good part of our culture. I'm thankful for our culture. Um, we have a Chinese student who, who lives with us, and we're talking about Christmas time. And in China, no Christmas decorations because it's Chinese New Year's what they celebrate. And so Christmas, you know, that's when they do all the gifts and everything that we do at Christmas is like you import over there. So that no Christmas decorations, no Christmas hair. In fact, December 25th is like any other day. They go to school, they go to work, nothing. And yet we, in our culture have this December 25th, this time every year that we, we focus our heart upon, upon Christmas, upon the, the birth of Christ. And, and in some regards, if you don't know Handel's Messiah very well, 
It, it could be a little bit like you not knowing Christmas hymns very well because there's such a richness of treasure that can, can help us. Um, you can't argue with the words, Andal's Messiah, it's just Scripture. That, that's, that's all it is. In fact, it's Bible verses set to music. And so as you listen to Handel's Messiah, you, it helps you memorize <clears throat> some songs and it helps to focus your attention upon the Lord at, at Christmas time when, it, when it's played. Now, I know that some of you are familiar. Have anyone gone to a, a Messiah the whole time? Okay, good, good, good. So you know kind of what it's about, but I'm sure there's some of you who aren't so familiar with it. But what I want to do this morning is, you know, this Christmas series, um, I haven't done this before. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to speak, exposit some scripture, and then we're going to watch about a minute and a half of uh, a piece being performed. And then I'm going to go back to scripture, then we'll watch about a minute and a half of a, of a piece being performed. These pieces I've edited down because we don't have two and a half hours this morning. Right? We're not Puritans, so we don't have all that time, and um, we got more going on than just a, a church here. Um, but I just want to familiarize yourself with, with Messiah because... Um, Handel does a great job of matching the meaning of the text with the sound of the music. Um, one of my favorites is the, the rough place is plain. The rough place is plain. If, you, if you've heard it before, you know what I'm talking about. He just does a, a masterful job of that. So as I play these pieces, right? Feel free even you shut your eyes and worship. However, the conductor is going to be so animated, I think that you'll be encouraged just to watch the guy because he's entertaining um, but but let's let's let the worship really let's let the music really draw us to worship. Um, everyone is going to just be Bible verses sung, except this first one, which is the beginning of the Messiah. I felt like for completeness' sake, it'd be good just to listen. Now, this one doesn't have any words, but maybe you'll recognize some of these um, tunes. I know that some Christian ministries have um, have taken this tune from the overture, which is the very first piece, and the overture goes like like this. Go ahead. Okay, so we're we're glad to get that. Thank you for your help, everyone. So Hopefully this will go smooth, and um, you'll, you'll give me some grace here. But <clears throat> Well, after this number, there's the intro. How many of you recognize that? Dum, dum, da, da, dum, 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 And uh, I think uh, Ligonier Ministries uses that, um, maybe some others. After that, then, uh, the next couple songs were from Isaiah 40. So if you haven't done so, open your Bibles to Isaiah 40. It's kind of where we're going to sit here this morning, it's where Handel's Messiah begins. Your pew Bible hymn number 500, number, page number 599. So if you don't have a Bible sitting in front of you, take the one from the hymnal. Uh, take the one from the pew and uh, look there, 599. I would encourage you to, to go there. My message this morning is entitled, Behold Your God. It's what Isaiah 40 is talking about. Isaiah says, Comfort Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. 
Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. With His arm rules for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His recompense before Him. He will tend His flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in His arms. He will carry them in His bosom and gently lead those that are with young. So Isaiah begins with comfort, comfort my people. This is the second half of Isaiah. The first half of Isaiah, chapters 1 through 39, in the broadest of terms, talks about judgment. And chapters 40 through 66, in the broadest of terms, talk about salvation. And understanding this helps you to understand why this message here of comfort comes as such a, such a balm and such a help and such a hope. Because Isaiah is about judgment up until this point. In chapter 1, the Lord compares Israel to Sodom and Gomorrah. He said in chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, Jerusalem has stumbled, Judah has fallen, because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord, defying His glorious presence. For the look on their faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom, and they do not hide it. Woe to them, for they have brought evil on themselves. Not only is it judgment upon Judah, but it's judgment upon chapter 13, speaks of Babylon, judgment upon, in 14, Assyria and Philistia. Chapters 15 and 16, judgment upon Moab. Chapter 17, Damascus. 18, Cush. 19 and 20, Egypt. Edom, Arabia, Tyre, all these, just condemnation, condemnation for people who have not sought the Lord. Now, it's not that all of Isaiah 1 through 39 is judgment. There, there are, are heights of salvation, like Isaiah 25, verse 9. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We've waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. So there, there are times there, but the vast majority of it is judgment and condemnation for the disobedience and rebellion of people. And then Isaiah 40, verse 1 comes, Comfort my people. And the message is this, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she is received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. These are words of pure hope. These are words that judgment won't last forever, but that sins would be forgiven. And from this point on, you can see Isaiah beginning to unfold this message about this Savior, this servant who's going to come. And this, of course, is the Messiah she will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In Isaiah 40, it's just the, the budding of the hope of the promise to come, which we know as, as Christmas. And this is what Handel played. Comfort ye my people, is what he wrote.
the first message of, of comfort coming. Iniquity is pardoned. The, the second he continues on in verses 3 through 4 with a word of, of preparation. This is preparing for the Messiah. We read in verse 3, A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. <clears throat> every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places plain. These, of course, are talking about John the Baptist, the one who had come to prepare the way of the Lord. And uh, Jesus wasn't the only miraculous birth around the time of the days of Herod. John the Baptist also was born under miraculous circumstances. Maybe you remember the story. Elizabeth was uh, the wife of a priest named Zechariah, and they were both righteous before the Lord, walking blamelessly in the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. And then one year, Zechariah was chosen to be the priest to offer the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. And we read in Luke chapter 1, verse 13 and following with this visit he has with an angel who said, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink and will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And what prophesied to Zechariah there in the Holy of Holies actually came to pass. Elizabeth became pregnant, and John the Baptist was born. He grew to be a mighty prophet in the wilderness, preaching, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and his preaching brought about a revival in Judea because multitudes came to him to hear him preach. And multitudes were baptized in response to his message, symbolizing the repentance and forgiveness of sins. And, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all attribute John the Baptist back to exactly what Isaiah spoke about in Isaiah Chapter 40, verses 3 and 4, and John knew it as well. John said, John 1, 23, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. And, and just that all these, we're talking about John the Baptist, just solidifies for our mind that verses 3 and 4 are highly symbolic. Talking about mountains being uh, made low and uneven ground being level and the rough places plain. It's just a picture of just the, the roughness of the earth being smoothed out in a way for the Lord, talking about just a, a preparation in the, the hearts of people because John the Baptist was about that. He was, he was about preparing the hearts of people for the coming of Jesus. Even he, just, he pointed to him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And this is the message of Christmas, right? The Lamb of God coming to take away the sin of the world and the joy that comes. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. That's what John was doing. He was preparing the way. He was preparing the, the way of the Lord. This is what uh, Handel then did. Every valley. <laughs> Oh! 
just going to leave this page up, seeing maybe it's a cueing thing on my, my phone to get the sound better. But we've seen a, a word of comfort, we've seen a word of preparation, and now we come a word of revelation, beginning in verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And indeed, this is exactly what happened at Christmas time. The glory of the Lord was revealed, and Jesus Christ. God incarnate came into the flesh. His glory was revealed and we saw it. John 1, verse 14. Can we just go on this mic rather than, rather than here? John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Glorious of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. That's a great hope of Christmas, right? That, that God has visited us. He hasn't left us on His own. He, he's come into His own. He's come to, to show us of Himself. See, when Jesus walked on the earth, His glory was revealed. When Jesus taught, the crowds were astonished at His teaching. When midway through the ministry of Jesus, some officers came to arrest Jesus. And, and, and as, they, as they went, they, they, they couldn't because they went back. They reported to the Pharisees, no man spoke like this man. The miracles of Jesus were displayed in his death. When, when the centurion saw Jesus die, he said, Surely this was the Son of God. John, in John chapter 2, the, after his first miracle, it says the, this was the first of his signs when he turned the water into wine at Cana of Galilee. And it says that the first of his signs manifested his glory. So all his miracles were a manifestation of his glory. When the, when the crowd saw the, man, the mute speaking and the crippled healthy and the lame walking and the blind see, seeing, they glorified the God of Israel. Just the, the ministry of Jesus was a continual manifestation of his glory. Just like chapter 40, verse 5, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And maybe the greatest place where that took place on the Mount of Transfiguration when, when, Jesus, when Peter, James, and John were, were taken up Jesus, with Jesus on the mountain, and you see that his, his clothes became white and uh, became radiant, as Mark 9, verse 3 says, so white as no launder on earth could ever bleach them. And what I think he had was the glory of Jesus that was veiled by his flesh. Jesus was pulling that away. And even through his clothes, the shining glory of Christ was shining through and Peter and James and John saw who he really was. He's the Lord of hosts. But that glory is only for a, a, a short time, is only seen by a few. And these are only the first fruits of things to come because it promises here in verse 5 that all flesh shall see it together. That, that everyone, that is, that is everybody. And, and so much of, of prophecy is like this, right? Fulfilled partially in the days of Jesus but fulfilled completely in the day when Christ returns. And when he comes back again, listen, the whole world will see his glory. And if you doubt that, you just look at the last phrase here, verse 5. The mouth of the Lord has spoken the glory of the Lord.
if you all turn your phones to airplane mode, that might help a little bit. So we'll, we'll, we'll try that. But here, here's, here's my fourth point, right? We, we have seen of the, of the word of comfort, the word of preparation, the word of revelation, and now we come the word of proclamation, verses 6 through 9. And a voice says, cry. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and its beauty like the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. And surely the people are grass, and the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. It's really the, the message that we all need to hear, that our, our life is, is temporary at best. Isaiah points to the flowers of the field. We might this Christmas season point out the poinsettias that are right in front of us. You see them all around during Christmas season, right? The, the Ladorn are homes, the Ladorn public places, and they're beautiful, and yet after the Christmas time, they'll fade. Except these, I don't think, I don't think these will fade, will they? Okay, these won't fade. But every live, real poinsettia has one Christmas, and then it's done. And so likewise, all of us, or flesh, we too will, will fade away. But Christmas gives us hope because God has come really to, to change all this. Because when he came in his life and through his death, we all can live. When he was born in Bethlehem is where it all began. It's what Christmas is, is about. In fact, as Peter said to, in the house of Cornelius, I just read Acts 10, 37 to 43. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea beginning from Galilee after the baptism John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem, how they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that this is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The message of all the prophets is that through him we receive forgiveness of sins. And, and this is what Isaiah begins to get at here in verse five, go, verse 9. rather, Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. It's from which the Christmas hymn we sing, Go tell it on the mountain. Over the hills and everywhere, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. And here's, here's the next, the next um, piece that uh, Handel says.
there's the, the word of proclamation. Right? Just get up on the cities, on the mountains, and proclaim it. Behold your God. It's a word of proclamation. And then he finishes up with a, a word of invitation, really. Because when you, you see God and you're, you're faced with a decision, right? When you see him and you behold your God, are you going to bow to him? Are you going to resist him? How are you going to respond? And in verses 10 and 11, Isaiah brings the classic message of the prophets, that the, that the Lord is coming. And when he comes, he's going to judge those who rebel. His recompense is with him, and his reward is with him. His recompense, that is his punishment, is going to come. And his reward, that is his, the, the reward for blessing of trusting him in obedience. He will judge those who rebel. He'll be gracious to those who trust in him. Look at verse 10. Behold, the Lord God comes with might, with his arm rules for him. And behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and he will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. And really, here's, here's the invitation, right? To come to the shepherd. Right? And know what it's like for him to take you in his arms. Know what David is talking about in Psalm 23 when he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The one, the one who, who the, the shepherd brings and holds tenderly and cares for the one in his arms. That's who Jesus is. He's going to tend his flock like a shepherd. Yeah, one more. Just trust the Lord that the sound will be better. Didn't start right. Next this week, I'll spend some time here in this auditorium trying to figure this out. But I, I trust that you got my, the message today. Here, here is the God who has has exposed Himself. He's revealed Himself, who He is. He's the one that we need to proclaim. And, and I think if if we get it, we will go and we will proclaim this. But but can you picture what it means to be found safely in the arms of Jesus? This baby that was born in a major is the, the shepherd, the great shepherd of, of our souls. So let's pray. We'll just give this time to the Lord. Father, I, I pray amidst technical difficulties, um, not how I envision things. God, but I, I trust that we might even think about just the, the verses and the songs sung of the
the Messiah who, who is to come. God, this Jesus, I pray you'd help us during the, the Christmas season, the Christmas time, to anticipate this Messiah, to anticipate him, and to realize that he is the one who, who gives us comfort. God, he, he's, he's the only way that we can receive our comfort. God, may we, may we prepare our hearts, God, for Christmas. And for Christmas morning, God, I thank you for his, his revelation he's given to us and the, and the proclamation, God, that our lives are here on this planet but a short time. And we, we need help. We need a, a Savior. So, God, I, I pray, God, for all of us here in this room that we might flee to the shepherd who would take us into his arms, God, rather than being met with, a, uh, with a, the king who rules with might and army uh, against us. God, but may we find him this Christmas, um, his friend, who receives him and, and worships him. May we adore him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.